You know the, the gospel is called the what? The good news, right? Um, one, one thing about the good news uh, that I think always gets me in any situation that I'm in, even, even though I've devoted my life to the Lord and I, I walk with the Lord, there's still good news every day of my life because almost in any situation, he's telling me, for this situation to get better, you don't need to be doing what you're doing because I'm here to supply the other half or all of it. Depending on the situation, the good news means what you're doing right now, you don't have to be doing that. When, you're, when you get saved, it means, hey, you're trying to earn your way to be a good person, trying to earn a good life. You don't have to be doing that. But then when you're walking with the Lord and you're, you're facing a difficulty and you're like striving and you're just like angry and frustrated, trying harder, and God's like, hey, I have, you don't have to be doing that. And uh, I, there's so many instances and, uh, you know, like this is a broad thing to say. You don't have to be doing that. But I guarantee in this room, there's people working on something in their life and it's not working. <laughs> people in this room in some, in some way or another, you're working on something and you just feel like it's not working. There's good news for you. Our, our defender is here. The, the, the creator of the universe is here with a breakthrough, with a solution. And, and so as we're, as we're worshiping the Lord, as we're looking on him, there's good news. So thank you, God, that, that you are in this place, that you didn't set us up to, to do life on our own, but you're here with us, and that you bring good news in every situation. Thank you for being the source of every good thing, of every, everywhere we need protection, you're there to protect us. Anywhere that we need provision, you're there to provide for us. And anywhere where we need uh, someone to be by our side, you are right there by our side. So we just thank you for your, your amazing presence in this place and the amazing thing that you're doing today. Amen. Well, you may find your seat and say hi to someone on your way. Well, God's good, amen? How many glad you're in church? Amen. Praise God. We want to receive the offering. If the ushers could please help me. If you're giving cash, we'd like a receipt. One of these ushers has an offering envelope for you. If you're ready, you make out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. There's also a way to give online. Um, if anybody, if they can put that up there, I don't know if we, there it is. So if you want to give online, there's a way to do that. <clears throat> and so uh, we just appreciate your faithfulness and your giving. And uh, just know that God's going to, his promise is giving us back is, is real. Amen. So let's just pray together over the offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you, Lord, that you love a cheerful giver. So we just give it cheerfully as unto you, Lord, because we know that our, our gifts because they're given from a willing heart, are received by you. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we just pray that you will continue to bless your people and prosper them in everything they put their hand to. Give them opportunities and promotions and raises and 
uh, and just bless their life. We just thank you for that now in Jesus name. Amen. Go ahead, men, pass the buckets. I just want to mention a couple of announcements. Um, I don't know if they have that up there, but there's a Ladies Connect on Thursday. That's this Thursday, March um, 25th. And at 630 right here at the church, we have worship and Tiffany will be giving her testimony. Also on Good Friday, which is April 2nd, we'll be having a worship service here and a communion service at 630. So that a time of worship and communion that's on Good Friday starts at 630 right here at the church. <clears throat> and if you have given us, if you haven't given us your contact information, please see Dave in the lobby um, over by the back wall there. He'll, he'll be sitting at a table there. And if you have given it to us and you've cha it's changed, make sure that you help us by updating it so that we can keep you informed on what's happening. And, uh, and then also make sure you get your kids after the service. Well, God's good. Praise God. That's one thing the Bible says about God over and over again is the Lord is good. You remember what the next thing is? No, that's what we say. But what does the Bible say? And his mercy endures forever. Amen. So that means that it was enduring way back then. Now it's still enduring today. It endures forever. In fact, it said we used this verse one week that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to end. They are new every morning. Praise God. So God's mercy towards you was new this morning. Isn't that great news? I want to talk to you this morning. I titled this message, Cultivating an Attitude of Gratitude. Cultivating an Attitude of Gratitude. And we've talked a lot in our, um, in our uh, time together. I'm sharing. I share a lot about uh, thankfulness and having a grateful heart. And really, it's one of the most important things that you can do in your life is to develop a grateful heart, to be able to be a person that expresses gratitude. You know, I said this last week that all the misery in the world can be traced back to our being disconnected from our creator. I mean, you go back to the very beginning in Genesis and what happened was man, because of his sin, was disconnected from his creator. And when Jesus came on the scene, he came to bring us back into a vital union with, with God. And, uh, you know, we see this in the book of John over and over again, where it talks about eternal life. The, probably the most famous verse in Christendom is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And I used to always think that eternal life was a duration of time, meaning that we're going to live in heaven forever with Jesus. And of course, that's true. That's a true statement. But Jesus told, told us what eternal life was in John 17. He said, he said, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So he said, Jesus defined eternal life by saying that it's not just a duration of time, but it's actually bringing us into a relationship with God. And so what happened in the fall was man lost his connection with God. He lost his connection with God, but in, through, through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, he brought us back into a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. So in other words, now we can know God and know Jesus personally. It's not something that's distant or far away. And that's what religion does. Religion just kind of creates this, this whole system of right and wrong and do's and don'ts and and, and uh, uh, religious ideas, and we just kind of adopt them 
and we don't have that vital relationship with him. And, and so God is not as much into do's and don'ts as he is into relationship and fellowship. How many know that's true? And so he wants, to have a fel- he wants us to have a fellowship with him. And a lot of times you hear people say, well, I just need to discover myself. We discover ourselves when we discover him because he's our, he is the creator. We discover ourselves when we discover him. We find ourselves when we find him. And worship, worship is the highest activity of the human soul. Think about that for a second. Worship is the highest activity of the human soul. When you can get to the place where you're truly worshiping, and I don't just mean in a worship service, because <clears throat> last week we talked about how that even secular tasks, menial tasks, that if you do it as unto the Lord, it's actually worship. If you do it as unto the Lord, Lord, I do this as unto you and acknowledge him in everything, that it's actually, it's actually a form of worship. And so worship is the highest activity of the human soul. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? And so I want to bring you to a place where we can actually come and we can learn how in, on, on a regular basis to worship. And so what worship is, is the ascent of the soul into God. It's the ascent of the soul into God where my soul begins to ascend into God, into a place of intimacy with him. You know, just recently I was praying and uh, I was just praying and all of a sudden, you know, I've been praying for a while and all of a sudden this, this, this incredible, like I got something rose up inside of me and, and this came out of my mouth and I said, Abba, Abba, Father. And it was so powerful, I just started weeping. It was like, am I losing my mind or what is going on here? But it was just such a, uh, what God is after in our lives is to bring us to a place where we have that intimacy, where that closeness, where we see God as a father. You know, when I, uh, I, my wife and I went to Israel a few years ago and we were on an elevator, we were in Jerusalem and we were on an elevator and there, uh, two, uh, a Jewish man and his little boy walked into the elevator and you know, they were, you could tell they were Orthodox Jews and they walked in and so I was, I was standing there looking at them. You know, they're all dressed up in their Jewish garb. And, and that's, I'm not saying that to be insulting, but I'm just, you know what I mean. They, well, anyway, so they had the curls and whatever. And so I, I was looking at them and all of a sudden the little boy turned to his, to his dad and said, he said this, because they speak Hebrew. He said, Abba. Then he, then he said something. And I looked at him, I said, did you just say Abba? Because that's what Jesus said, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Abba, Father. If all things are possible with you, then he said, let this cup pass from me. He said, Abba, it's that intimacy with God. And that's what God wants. God does not want to, be, to, li- to live in an, uh, a disconnect with his creation. God wants there to be an intimacy with us. And that, that is possible. In fact, your spirit is designed for worship. Your heart and your spirit is designed for worship. You are designed to be a worshiper, and you do worship. That's why, you know, you never have to go to countries and, uh, and, and talk about uh, religion or, or uh, worship because people just instinctively do it. They'll worship a tree, they'll worship uh, this, or they'll worship that. They just instinctively do it. Nobody teaches them. They just know instinctively that there is something out there that's greater than them and that they're supposed to worship. And they, they develop these systems of worship. You know, you know, they read some, through some of these dark 
dark religions. It's pretty, pretty sad. I mean, they're offering their kids in sacrifice and they do all these kind of crazy things. Why? Because instinctively they know they're supposed to worship. And so that is uh, the highest, uh, the highest ascent of the soul is worship. And, and so the Bible teaches that this ascension of the soul into worship happens through a progression, happens through a progression. Not always. It doesn't have to work this way. But the Bible kind of shows that there's a progression with it. It doesn't just start out with worship. But in Psalms chapter 100, verse four, 4 and 5, let's read this if you want to turn there. It says that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is the starting point. I think that if you're not a thankful person, I think worship is very difficult for you. I think not only is it difficult for you, it's probably impossible for you. I mean, I, I don't know you, but I'm just saying that because of what, what the Bible teaches, that this is actually the starting point. If you're not a, a grateful person, and I don't just mean that, that in a worship service, but just in life in general, if you're not a grateful person, I think... I think worship is going to be difficult for you. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. I think it is. I think worship is going to be difficult if you're not a grateful person. Notice it says the starting point is enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then it goes enter into his courts with praise. So he's describing the temple in the Old Testament where the gates would be the outer gate. We enter the gates with thanksgiving. And then there's a courtyard there. We, we enter the courtyard with praise. And then it says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then it says this, for the Lord is good. Amen. That's why I say that all the time. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures through all generation. And so the starting point is thanksgiving. The starting point is thanksgiving. And like I said, if you're... If you're not a thankful person, it's going to be difficult for you. And so that means just in our life. You know, it's interesting that people, they say this, that people in developed countries are less grateful than people in developing countries. In other words, countries that are, are poor, and they're, but they are developing, they're more grateful than people that are in developed countries like America, uh, you know, people, uh, England, you know, Europe. Developed countries, those peoples tend to be less grateful. You, you figure out, why is that? We have more to be grateful for. Why are we less grateful? And I don't know if it's because of commercials, where the commercials say, if you buy this product, buy this product, all your troubles will go away, everything will be wonderful and glorious, and, and, and you buy the product and everything's not wonderful. I, I don't know if that's our disappointment, but it's just like there's something about being in, a, in America where we have high expectations that our life is going to turn out great and we're just going to be the, the newest and the, the, the gluest and the greatest and the bestest or whatever. And when it doesn't happen, we're disappointed. You know, we know this with our children. I think everybody wants to see their children have a grateful heart, right? I mean, remember, you know, I've probably told you this story. When you take your kids somewhere, you know, you take them to Disneyland, which my, that's my idea of nothing to do. But um, or Valley Fair, which again, they wait until you get there. Then they tell you they're hungry. So we buy a, a hot dog for 10, 12 dollars, a hot dog or, you know, and then and then it's like you do all this stuff, spend all this money. 
And then on the way home, they want a Dairy Queen. You say, no, we've had enough junk today. And then they're, they're mad. You know, they, I just spent hundreds on you. And don't you dare. Don't even think about going. You know, you want to see them. You want them to be totally grateful. You want to say, Mom and Dad, thank you for making breakfast for me. Thank you for b- providing this great house for me. Thank you for providing this bed. Thank God for this bed. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you for an indoor bathroom. Amen. If you've ever been where there's not indoor bathrooms, you are going to be thankful for the indoor bathroom. Amen. I mean, you, you would love to see your kids do that. And when you do that, that gladdens your heart. I don't think God's any different than that. I don't think God loves the attitude of, what have you done for me lately? Right? I don't think that's, I don't think that's an attitude that God just goes, oh, I'm going to reward that. You know, where we just have this sour murmuring because how many know this is true, that life has, there's problems in life. There's difficulties in life. There's things that don't work out the way that we planned in life. Amen? But there is a promise. The Bible says that God works all things for good. He works all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So I just keep saying that every time something bad happens, I just say, he's working all things for good. Did he send, is the bad good? No, the bad ain't good, but he's working it for good. He's going to keep working it for good. He won't quit until he works it for good. It's going to be good. I keep telling myself, it's going to be good, Steve. He's working this for good. Amen. And so what should come out of my heart or what should come out of my mouth is thanksgiving and praise. And so we want that in our children. We also want to see it. God wants to see it in us. And so it's very important that we develop this attitude of gratitude. You know, it's interesting, and if you've heard me talk about Thanksgiving, you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 28. Amen. So the Bible teaches us that there's a connection between Thanksgiving and grace. There's a connection between Thanksgiving and grace. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Notice it says there in this verse, this is the New King James Version, it says, let us have grace by which we will serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now look at the same verse, but look at it in the NIV. How many know what the NIV is? The New International Version. Uh, Somebody said one time, it's the nearly inspired version. (laughs) Not quite inspired version. But I, I don't know, I read different versions. But listen to what it says in the NIV, the nearly inspired version. It says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. In the New King James, it said, let us have grace. In the NIV, the nearly inspired version, it says, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and and awe. There is a connection in Scripture with thanksgiving and grace. And you'll understand this, that how important grace is. Of course, we're saved by grace. We know that. We're saved by grace. But we we need more grace. You know, the Bible talks about that he gives greater grace. We need grace in our lives to overcome problems and situations that we face every day. When Paul was going through all these difficulties, had that thorn in the flesh and all that stuff, he prayed to the Lord, Lord, make it all go away. And, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. 
My grace is enough to overcome every one of these circumstances and situations. He gives greater grace. We need more grace. And what you'll find is that a thankful person experiences more grace. You know, when I was a kid, because even in some of our languages, the word thank, thankful or thanks is, is a derivative of our word grace. Like Spanish for thanksgiving or thank you is graci, graci, which is a derivative of the word grace. It's also in the French language, grazie or something like that. I don't even know how to pronounce it. What is it? Grazie. 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 Right? But it's a derivative of the word grace, and it means thank you. Also in the Italian language is gazze, or something like that. And that, again, it means, it comes from the same word, it means thank you. So there's a connection between the two. My grandmother, when, I, when she was alive, when we'd go see her, um, we'd sit down at the table, and my grandmother would say, she'd usually say to my dad, Daniel, would you say Grace. Well, she didn't mean that we should all just sit around the table and say, grace, grace. That's not what she meant. What she meant was, how many grew up with them saying, would you say grace? A lot of you did, yeah? And what that meant was, would you give thanks? Would you give thanks for the food? And so there is a divine connection between grace and thanksgiving. If you want to grow in grace, grow in thanksgiving. I don't think an unthankful person, I think an unthankful person, in the heart of an unthankful person, grace stops, stops working. I'm not saying you're not saved anymore, but I'm just saying we, it, it, the flow stops. You know, it, even in a Christian that's unthankful. And in a, thank, in a thankful heart, grace, grace flows. And I don't know about you, but I need heavy, heavy doses of grace. Amen? And so... I want you to look at another verse here. Turn over here to Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Aren't you thankful for these camera people? Thank you. Thank you. And all the people that work in the back there, uh, the lady that puts up the verses on the screen and the, and the uh, uh, lyrics on the screen and all the worship people. I'm just trying to cultivate thankfulness. We could have some... We could have some little snaggletooth woman with a, with a kettle and a, and a fiddle or something leading songs, couldn't we? And she could be singing the song, Hold the fort for I am coming. You know. Isn't it wonderful to have a great worship team? I think we ought to give them a hand. We should be, you say, what are you doing? I'm just trying to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Isn't it wonderful to have a, a building that has heat? Yes. Praise God. You know, I've been, I preached overseas a, a, quite a bit. And, and I preached in the winter in, in Ukraine and Russia and, and gone into these buildings. I remember once I was in this building, it was no heat. I mean, no heat. And, and uh, there's a lot of people in there, but everybody's, you could see everybody's breath. And I have my suit on and I have my overcoat on and I'm sitting there. And then I was with Peter Mel and Peter goes, you, you got to take your overcoat off. I go, are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's freezing in here, you know. And he goes, well, you got to take it off. So I, oh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm, isn't that wonderful to have heat? Yeah. Just trying to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Amen. So it says here in Colossians chapter 2, it says, As you therefore have received, 
Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Bounding therein with thanksgiving. So let me ask this question. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You received him by grace through faith. Is that right? Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You receive God's, you receive Jesus the Lord by grace through faith. And so this verse says, As you have therefore, as you therefore have received him. So how do we receive him? By grace through faith. Then it says, we abound in that with thanksgiving. We increase in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should always be involved in in the process. We increase, we abound therein with thanksgiving. Uh, Because what happens is the grace that brought salvation grows and increases in our lives as we are thankful. It grows and increases in our lives as we are thankful. Amen. People who are experiencing God's grace are very thankful. And people who are very thankful are people who, re, who experience God's grace. The more grace, you want more grace, be more thankful. Look for opportunities every day to be thankful. I heard this story one time about this guy. He said he was, he was in this park. We don't understand these kind of stories, but he was in a crowded parking lot. You know what that's like? You can't do it around here, but in a crowded parking lot in the city somewhere. So he was driving around, he he's can't find a parking place, and he's late for an appointment. And, he's, and so finally, in desperation, he cries out and says, God, if you help me with a parking place, I'll go to church this Sunday. <laughs> and all of a sudden, just a few seconds later, some guy starts backing out, and he goes, oh, forget it, God, I found one. <laughs> and that's kind of how it is. I mean, you know, God is doing things, God is working in our lives, God is working in our circumstances, working in our situations, and we don't even notice his working. And so that's why it's so important for us to actually be on the lookout for opportunities to be thankful. Be on the lookout for opportunities to be thankful. Somebody does something for you, somebody, uh, whatever it is, might be small, might be little, makes you some coffee, brings it to you, or some little thing, your wife pats you on the cheek or gives you a little kiss or something real kind, says a real kind word to you. Just be so thankful. Say, wow, thank you very much. Why? Because you want to be, you want to, you want to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving is something because it's the starting point. I don't think people will ever get to a point of worship if they don't First, develop an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Amen. So what do we give thanks for? Someone goes, I can't think of anything to give thanks for. Well, you are really not with it, are you? And sometimes that's what happens is that we have disappointments, we have problems, and we see those and we fixate. How many of that should we do that sometimes? We fixate on disappointments. We fixate on something that didn't turn out right. And it didn't go right, and we fixate on that. And, and, and there could be good things happening all around us, because, but because we're fixated on these different things, we can't develop attitude of gratitude. Amen. So what are we to give thanks for? Well, Psalms, the verse we read earlier, 105 says, we are thankful for three things. Number one, for he is good. Talking about God, for he is good. For he is good. 
everything is good in our lives doesn't necessarily mean that, but it means he is good. He is good. That's the first thing. The second thing, his mercy endures forever. That's the second thing we we're thankful for. Number three, his truth endures to all generations. So the first thing is God is good. I want you to think about this, that God radiates goodness. I mean, we live in a fallen world. There's a devil. There, there are difficulties. There's crazy people in our world. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens. But it doesn't change the fact that he is good. You know, in James chapter 1, it talks, he was talking to this church and he was saying, you know, they were going through difficulties. They had a lot of, a lot of issues in, that they were going through. I won't go through what all things they were going through. But James said this in chapter 1. He said, don't get this wrong. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Abba has good things for you. Daddy has good things for you. Daddy brings, sends good gifts down from heaven for you. Praise God. I might get excited yet. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that everything in your life is good. It doesn't mean that this is, maybe this relationship is strained or this is not doing very good. But God is good. And God will work everything for good. That's what I'm talking about. And so the Bible says here that we're to give thanks, first of all, for he is good. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Some of you have heard this verse. It says, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he, now I'm talking about God. He makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, God, it, God, it says God blesses both the sinner and the saint. He says that God sends his, makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. So that means, and that's what that causes us to not see the goodness. is because it happens to other people. I remember, you know, it's interesting that um, I, I remember one time a, a guy came to me and he, he, had a, he had a check for $500. He wanted to give to the church. I said, oh, praise the Lord. And he goes, well, let me tell you the story. And I said, okay. He goes, well, I've been playing the lottery. Or I, I don't know, what, something, one of those. I don't play it, but anyway, it's one of those things. You've been playing. I'm not sure what it was, but something he was playing. He'd been losing constantly. And so finally, he said to the Lord, Lord, if you let me win, I'll give all the money to the church. So guess what happened? <laughs> he won. So I tried to tell him, I don't know if you, oh, we'll take, the devil's had that money long enough. We need, get, <laughs> we need to get that over to God right now. But, 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 what, but I'm, I'm just saying that good happens across the board. It says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. On the just and the unjust. He sends rain. And rain, we think that rain is a bad thing. Boy, it rain, when it rains, it pours. You know, we hear, hear people say that. When it rains, it pours. In this context, rain is good. You know, Israel is a very, uh, is a desert kind of a climate. It's a desert climate. And so when they get rain, buddy, they're glad. Thank God for, that's what they, that's what they think. Thank God for rain. And so what happens is, now listen to this. It's a very important point. I'm making a profound point right here. What happens here is that because good things happen to everybody, good things happen to everybody, we just think that it's not that big of a deal. We just think, well, they got a new car, or they got this, or they got that, they got married, they got kids, they got whatever. 
And so it must not that be, be that big of a deal. But let me say this to you. The difference between the just and the unjust is the just recognize that it is the blessing of God. We got enough sense to realize that doesn't just happen just automatically. That happened because God is good. Amen. The reason that happened was because God is good. Because we serve a, a good God. Look at Psalms 145, verse 89. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and in great mercy. The Lord is, listen to this, the Lord is what? Good to all. And when something good happens to a sinner, we, we should look at him and say, well, that's, that's my father. He's good to all. He's good, even good to you. He's good to all. Amen. He's good to you. Amen. Did your car make it here all right? He's good to you. How'd you like to hoof it? I mean, nobody wants to hoof it, right? He, why? Because he's good to you. He's, he's good to you. You got your bills paid, well fed, got enough food. Why? Wow, he's good to you. He's good to all. And his tender mercies over all his works. You see, the thing is, is that the sinner... It's an interesting story. I don't want to go through all these verses, but the sinner has this thing where I want to see something big. I want to see this big sign. I want to see this incredible sign. In fact, in, in Jesus, when he was on the earth, the Pharisees and the scribes came to him one day and said, we want to see a sign from you. I mean, Jesus had been doing signs left and right, been healing people, raising the dead, feeding 5,000, all these different things. But he goes, we want to see a special sign from you, a special sign. And he said, then he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no, because they wanted proof. They wanted a sign. He says, an evil and adulterous, adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of prophet Jonah. Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he just got done telling them the sign they're going to get is is I'm going to be three days and three nights, and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. What's interesting is after Christ died, they put him in a tomb, and they put soldiers there. They sealed the tomb. They put soldiers there. And on the morning of the resurrection, an angel came down. It says that he was, he was uh, well, there's the verse. And there was a great earthquake. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door. And sat on it, and his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. So they were just overwhelmed with the presence of God and fell on the floor. They're just shaking. They're seeing this angel. He's all glistening. He's all bright. Now, you would think, wouldn't you? Now, how many would that be a sign to you? If all of a sudden you, you, know, you were in church and you saw an angel or whatever and you just fell on the floor shaking and you just like, uh, you, know, you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, this is something. This is God, something. But it was what Jesus predicted would happen. This is going to be your sign. The Son of Man is going to be raised from the dead. And so Jesus came out of the tomb and this is. And so then you'd think that the soldiers and everybody would say, wow, we were wrong. That's a pretty powerful sign. He said he would die. He said he would be buried. Three, third day he would rise from the dead. 
This is it. This should flip us all. But did it flip them? No, it didn't flip them. You know what they, they did? They went back into the city. They went back into the city and they told the, the religious leaders, the ones that Jesus told them what the sign would be. They told them, yep, it happened. And you know what they did? Is they paid the soldiers to shut up and make up this story that his disciples came and stole them away while we were sleeping. Which, if that happened, they should all be killed. Because if your prisoner escaped from you, if you're a soldier in that day, your prisoner escaped, then you had to be executed. But he said, we'll cover for you. And so they had, so here's the deal. Is don't be like them. Where you got to have this spectacular sign before that you're going to, you know, uh, be thankful or you're going to rejoice or, or you're going to be, uh, you know, like have faith or whatever. Don't be like that. Look for the little things. Look for the little things because it's human nature to take, uh, take people and situations for granted and not see the goodness of God that's all around us. Amen. And so focusing on our sad events or disappointments and difficulties can cause us to murmur and complain. So what happens is what comes out, it's like, I, that's what I would think is the opposite of thanksgiving is murmuring. I think we all should do that right now. Let's just all murmur, 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 murmur. You know, it's like, it's like you know, it's not, murmur is not like murmur. It's like this low, my life stinks. God's not, what, is he, what have you done for me lately? You know. That's the opposite of gratitude. That's the opposite of a thankful heart. I just want to develop a thankful heart. I want to look for opportunities. I want to look for opportunities in my situation. I want to look for opportunities in my life, my circumstances, where I can honestly thank God. Look for the good in life, even among the challenges and setbacks and problems. You know, I don't know, this is not a very spiritual statement I'm about ready to make, but I, I like it. But I like the song by Louis Armstrong. Thank you. I know it's not a very spiritual song, but on the other hand, sing it, okay. I couldn't get that low, but it says, what, it's a wonderful world. Some, you look at it, he goes, you know, I see uh, trees of green, red roses too. I see them blossom for me and you. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And, and if you're a murmurer, you go, yeah, but. Right? But God's not interested in your but. <laughs> it just came to me to say that, but I, I, I probably shouldn't have said it. But anyways, Amen. I might preach myself happy yet. <laughs> I see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright blessed day and dark sacred nights, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Amen. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also in the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Amen. What a wonderful world. Then he goes, says, I hear babies crying. That probably isn't, I don't know. <laughs> Why do you have to throw that one in there, you know? 
I'm going to slap that Louis Armstrong. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I see babies crying. I watch them grow. They will learn much more than I'll ever know. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Amen. Developing an attitude of gratitude. So many great things are happening all around us. Amen. Develop an attitude of gratitude. I want to give you one last verse. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, um, we're going to sing another song. And I'm going to give you the attitude just to, to refocus, you, you look at, we look at what, you know, what is going on in our lives. And I know that, you, I mean, every, life is full of disappointments. I understand that. You know, that everything's not perfect. I got it. There's, there's bad things that happen. I got that too. But there's also a lot of good that's going on all around us. There's ways in which God is blessing us. God, give us eyes to see how good you're, you're, you're being to us. I think that, you know, any little thing that you can fasten on, like, look at this. Any little thing you can fasten on, and, and, and big things, too. I'm not just talking about, usually the big things are not that hard to miss. It's the little things that we miss. We just take it for granted. Especially if you look at what's, sometimes what other people are going through, you go, wow, I'm really blessed. And don't miss those little things. I remember years ago, well, let's read this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks. How many know that's a command? It says, I didn't put down there, but it says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice evermore. You know, John Wesley, he started the Methodist church. The word Methodist comes from a word that means is, is method. It's a method. They had a methodology on how they would do, it was very uh, systematic, regimented. And so some people would complain and say, you're, you're, it's too, your, your, your uh, system or your method is too systematic, it's too demanding. And so he said, I summarized it in this, these three things. If everybody would just rejoice evermore, Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to be praying every minute of every day. It means never give up on prayer. Sometimes people give up on prayer. Don't give up on prayer. Have a prayer life. Have a prayer life every day. Never give up on it. Pray without ceasing. And then in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's the will of God. Not that everything that happens is God's will. But it's the will of God that you're thankful in every situation. That you're thankful in every situation. I guess there's another sermon going on right here now. So let's all stand together. I guess that's my siren. You're done. You're done now. All right. Time's up, everybody. Let's all stand up together. So I think for some of us, it's a radical department or de departure from where, we, where we've been in our mental and emotional state to, to develop this attitude of gratitude. But I want you to think about this. The highest form, worship is the ascent of the soul into God. Worship is the highest activity of the human soul. It's the highest activity of the human soul. It begins with thankfulness. Where does it begin? It begins with thankfulness. It begins with 
an attitude of gratitude. And I don't just mean in church. I mean in life. Just looking for opportunities where God, where, where you can be grateful. Thank you, God, for that. You catch a fish. Of course, we're not supposed to be fishing now, I don't think. But So don't, if, you, if you're out fishing right now and catch one, don't thank God because you're doing something wrong. Don't, don't say, thank you, Jesus. I, I got one. I didn't get caught. I don't think he was with you on that. But, or you feel thrown back, I guess. But anyway, so, okay. So anyways, what I'm saying is just begin to develop an attitude of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my family. Thank you for health. Thank you for strength. Thank you for... Uh, food and provision. Thank you for a place to live. Thank you for an indoor bathroom. Thank you for running water. Thank you. Thank you for that deer that just ran by. Right? I mean, I just, I mean, I'm, I always was more like a sea animal kill. You know, I was more like that type of guy. But the older you get, the more like, look at that beautiful. You know what I mean? You start going, look at that beautiful. You know what I think is the coolest thing is a hummingbird. I think that, you know, a hummingbird is the coolest thing because it likes sweet things. It's like likes nectar. Have you ever seen their little wings, how they beat? It's awesome. And how they move so fast. Thank God for hummingbirds. Amen. Just thank God for everything. And so the cultivating an attitude of gratitude. It's the starting point. I'm not saying that you can't start at another point, but it's the, certainly this, the one that the Scripture gives uh, as a starting point to enter into worship. So let's, let's do this. We're going to sing this one song. And I just want to give you the opportunity, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, to refocus. Refocus your attention. Refocus your, your, your gaze. And just put it on the Lord and, and begin to think of things that He's done. Remember that grace flows in a thankful heart. Grace flows. People who are grateful experience grace on a level that others, others don't. So let's just sing this song together.
God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you guys give God a good offering of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I told you he was good. And what comes next? <laughs> Mercy endures forever. Amen. They're new every morning. There's a dab of mercy for you this morning. Praise God. Amen. I want you to be prayed for. If you need prayer, we got some prayer counselors that will come up and get ready to pray for you. We want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. And so if you have a need in your life, uh, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, whatever, please, uh, when I dismiss, just make your way to the front and have one of these counselors pray for you. But I want you just to have a great week. So how many will do that? Like every day, wake up, set your day right, say, Lord, this is going to be a great day. Why is it going to be a great day? Because first of all, your mercies are new every morning. And also because you work everything together for my good. Right? For good. Amen. He's working everything for good. So you're going to work all the events in my life. They're going to be working out for good this morning. Praise God. Isn't that good? Because why? Because God loves you, cares about you. You know, I, I was quoting this passage in Romans chapter 8. It says, since God is for us, who can be against us? Spared not his own son, but delivered him us up, uh, delivered him up for us all. How will he not freely give us all things? Isn't that a great verse? God's good. Hallelujah. So I want you if, you, if you have a prayer need, please come forward. But we want you to be, to be blessed even more. So as you go today, make sure you fellowship with somebody. Tell them how good they look and tell them they're going to have a great day. Amen. And uh, we'll see you again very soon. God bless you all. You're free. Free to do whatever.